outside of work and everything aside, being in this industry, it has taught me one thing, and that is to live every day like it's your last. Tomorrow is not promised. And I don't want to look back on my life and think that, well, I should have done things different or I should have went out more. I should have been happier because you only get one shot at life Mm -hmm. and enjoy it while you have it because it can be taken away at any moment. Welcome to the Let Me Walk With You podcast. I am your host, Nicole Polarczyk. I am a support coach who wants to walk with you while you go down this path called life. With the twists, turns, and unexpected events I've experienced, I know I'm not alone when I say it's hard to go through it on your own. I want to be the person I needed through those times for you. Weekly, I will bring you an episode about my journey and where I'm going. Come on, take a walk with me. When someone passes away, the family will tell either the coroner or the facility or the hospice nurse what funeral home they want to use. And from there, the either the nursing home representatives, the coroner or the hospice nurse themselves will call us and tell us what we need to know from there. Okay. Yeah, that was, I mean, luckily I, I knew that part, you know, I knew that part. So that was like a plus, but I think I, there's been a personal experience where someone's passed away, not in my family, in a closer family. And the husband didn't know what to do. Like he just sat at the hospital after the, you know, his wife had passed away and he just didn't know what to do. You know, like he didn't even like. And I mean, she was at the hospital where she passed and he was just, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, and it got to the point where it was like, you know, they kept her because they did do an autopsy just for what she had wrong with her. And he just for days was like, I I don't know what to do. And it got to the point where people were like, they're not going to keep her forever. You have to reach out to somewhere. They're not going to make the decision for you, you know? And Mm -hmm. someone told him, like, they have a book there of funeral homes. You can Google them. You know, they're not, you know, this person was in their 40s when they passed. And, you know, not coming to terms with the fact that this was going to happen in the first place because it was inevitable that this was what was going to happen. There was no plan. There was no discussion. There was nothing. So, yeah, just how lost he was just at that point of, like, I don't even know where to call, you know? And that's Mm -hmm. just – I think some people, yeah, they just don't even think of that. It's a small thing, but it's a huge thing. Like, okay, now what? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, that that goes back to the situation where emotions run high and either – you you just you you panic and you don't know what to do or sometimes some people shut down because they don't want to do anything they don't want to have to to move anything or change anything Mm -hmm. from the scenario and so all that has I think all that really runs in with the emotions as well Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I mean, for me, my mom passed away on a Thursday night. I didn't go to the funeral home to prep, to even talk to them until that following Monday. Because I was like, mm-hmm. I just can't. I said, my mind was like, I still have to go back to the nursing home and clean up her room. I need to get her stuff. Like, I went into mm-hmm. like, you know, I just had to tidy up things before I could go and deal with that, you know? And it was like my own process, you know, and the people at the mm-hmm. nursing home, because that's where she worked and these were her friends and, you know, they knew her for 10 plus years. They were like, you don't need to come here the next morning to pack. And I was like, no, I have to. They're like, we'll do it. And I was just so defensive. I was like, no, I was like, it's my mom's stuff. It's my responsibility. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to deal with this part first. Because they were like, you should be at the funeral home. I said, nope. They told me I can wait. I said, I'll do this on Monday. You know, I'll go to them on Monday. When I'm clear-headed isn't like the best way to describe it, but where I can focus on that task, Mm -hmm. you know, and at least gather my thoughts and prepare myself because that brings me like into my next question. Like if you could say like top three, top five things – someone should at least have in their back pocket when going to meet with a funeral director for a first time, you know, Mm -hmm. so loved one just passed away. Okay. Now what, like, what should I have at just something, something tangible? What should we have? Okay. So I would definitely say if they have life insurance, have the policy numbers there, the amount it's for and who the beneficiary is. The life insurance, if you don't have the, even if, if you don't even have the actual policy, those three things are really the only three things that we really need in order to file everything. Okay. Those in the general information on, on a deceased. So their social security number, their parents' names, those go on the death certificate Those are the biggest things that I could think of. Other things that could fall in that category that's not as important, but like the clothes that you want them dressed in. If you're going to have a burial, they're going to have to have clothes. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people ahead of time, like, hey, you know, this person needs long sleeves. Don't bring anything white. Bring something darker colored just in case they've got... Because I always say, like, white's a really bad color just because if something happens... We can't guarantee it's going to stay clean, you know, but coordinating with a funeral director about that is, is a big thing too. But the, the, the top things are life insurance and mm-hmm. the general information about the deceased is, is the two biggest things. I don't even think now, I even have five off the top of my head. <laughs> now is the life insurance for if the life insurance is going to pay for part of the funeral cost? Yes. So I tell people a general rule. Life insurance, they don't tell people this. So this is something that people do need to know. There is a two-year contestability on all life insurance policies, all of them. So if you take this life insurance out, let's say February of this year, if you do not live two years, they do not pay the full amount. They'll pay the premiums you paid in plus possibly 10% at the most. But they will not pay the full amount. If your beneficiary is deceased they'll pay it to the estate, Mm -hmm. which means you'll have to go through court and get a lawyer 
and go through all that just to get that money. And it might cost you more money in lawyer fees than it would to go get that money. Yes. So I tell people all the time, make sure your beneficiaries are up to date and you have living beneficiaries, a living contingent. So just in case your beneficiary does die, you have a backup. Mm -hmm. And to make sure the life insurance policy is over two years old. That's all really good information to know. Yeah. From my we'll personal family life and experience. Yeah, we'll file the life insurance. It's not a big deal. We just get the family to sign a couple of forms and that's it. They don't have to call them. They don't have to deal with them directly. But life insurance, I tell people, life insurance will generally pay as long as the beneficiary is alive and it's over two years old and they are continuously paying on it or if it's paid up in full, then you're fine. Okay. And the social security number because you will file with social security, like to say that this person- yes, we yeah, we send Social Security something called a statement of death form, which will halt their stuff. I do tell families to call in like a couple of days following up just to make sure they don't need nothing else because everybody's got mm -hmm. different things with Social Security. But we send them a form so they don't need a death certificate. Okay. So from my personal experience, this is my dad was on Title 19, which like in Connecticut it was for because he was in a nursing home. So he did get Social Security benefits. Part would go to the nursing home and then a small bit was able for him. So in my experience, like they paid me after the fact that he passed away. So mm -hmm. it's not as big of a deal because I freaked out at first. It was just as simple as cutting them a check for that amount and mailing it back. And they will let you know that they overpaid you and they'll tell you exactly what you need to pay them back. So yes, just if anyone's listening, if that was to ever happen, it's not as big of a deal. You just simply pay them back with the family, close family member that I had that passed away. Uh, she was overpaid with her pension. So I was like, okay, they're going to send me a letter. I'm not going to worry about it. And sure enough, they did. They just said, pay us this amount, send it back. Easy peasy. It's not as a huge, like you're not stealing. So don't think that they will tell you just to pay them back. And it's pretty easy. At least just from my experience, it's very easy. So you've answered so many questions. And this is as like such good information. <laughs> it's such good information. Now, is there a difference between a mortician and a funeral director? Like, is that all in one or is it some difference? So a mortician, I categorize as anybody who is either a funeral director or an embalmer. Now, you don't have to be both. You can be just a director and you are still categorized as a mortician because there are dual license and then there's just singular. So some people want to be a director. They don't want to be an embalmer. Well, that's fine. You can get just a director's license or mm -hmm. you can get a dual license, which is what I have, and you can be a funeral director and an embalmer. But morticians are basically categorized as, as individuals who work for the funeral home, who okay. meet with families or deal with families on some type of level. Okay. Now, do you go to school for the same amount? Like, do you take the same course? Essentially, it's just how you want to get licensed. So, yes, every state has different lengths of time that mm -hmm. you have to go to school. So for Alabama, it's a two-year degree. It's an associate's degree. And it's a, any college that has an accredited mortuary science program. So in Alabama, mm -hmm. there's only one mortuary school left because oh, wow. yeah, we, there, there's a nationwide shortage of us. 
Um, this is not an industry people go into and the schooling for it can be extremely hard. Um, I know I, I'm pretty sure Georgia is still a four year degree. So they're a bachelor's degree, but I had to do a mortuary science program in that program consists of classes such as management, restorative art, embalming. You've got analysis, chemistry, anatomy. It's, it's a bunch of sciences. You basically graduate with a science degree. So yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, if science isn't your thing, it's not going to be for you, that schooling. <laughs> yeah, science is hard. I struggled with science. I really did. Because in school, you know, we had to know even the most technical of names. Like, we couldn't call something in anatomy the kneecap. They're like, no, it's a patella. You can't call it a kneecap. And I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but okay, like, I can do that. So yeah. like, schooling can be hard <laughs> it can be hard depending on where you're going what is required of your state in order to be yes. licensed i think for curiosity i'm gonna look up connecticut when we're done just out of curiosity yes. <laughs> but it was like i had to do, i had to do the two years of schooling and then once that was over i had to take either the state or the national board exam so i had to take a science section an art section and a law test so not oh, only wow. did i have to get an associate's degree i had to take three additional tests after that just to obtain a license. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I definitely could not have been a doctor now that I, because that's so much schooling. But people don't realize that you have to take so many tests in order to mm-hmm. achieve a license. And then even for us, we still have to continue in education throughout the year. And that's required by the states. So, um, so it, it's never really, it never really stops. <laughs> Because we're both like on that mental health front. Now, do they offer you anything mental health wise? Like even when you're in schooling, just to like understand that, you know, what you're going to be dealing with or in like your continuing education? So in school, we do have to take two different psychology classes. That is designated for grieving Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So we also have to learn about the way that children see death at different ages to help them cope as well. So they, they, they categorize it as social psychology Mm -hmm. was what the technical Mm -hmm. name of what we took was, but that was the main aspect of psychology was learning about the grieving process, the five steps of grieving, how children grieve, how adults grieve and how some people grieve differently than others and how we're supposed to handle those situations. Okay. Yeah. I was curious, like when you're saying all these courses and stuff, I'm like, I'm wondering if, yeah, they do touch on that because that, yeah, that and restorative art is one of the harder classes to take. Um, There's two different, you have to take two restorative art classes, restorative art one and two, at least here you do. And it's, um, it's extremely difficult. So (laughs) I, I can imagine, I mean, I, can imagine like I, what you do in your profession to where that would come into play. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's a lot in itself. We won't go there tonight. Yeah, we won't go there, but <laughs> I know a lot from everything I've seen on like TikTok has opened my eyes to things I never even realized, but just like my own curiosity and stuff, what I've like gotten into. And I, I know from my personal circle of people that I know that listen that's too much because I don't even talk about that kind of stuff. (laughs) 
you know. Yeah, and there are certain things on TikTok that I do not discuss just because it can be a little too in-depth for people. Mm-hmm. I know TikTok offers a subscription service. So for those people who yeah. do subscribe to my channel, I can post videos just for them to see that's more in-depth like that. But I generally don't go in real details about things that can be a little gruesome because it's definitely not something everybody needs to hear or wants to hear in general. Yeah. So I get that. Go ahead and take with it. <laughs> it's triggering, you know, like I am not bothered by much. Some stuff I am bothered by anything animal related. I am triggered by very, very much. So it's like sometimes when I'm like scrolling, I'm like just taking a gamble with like my sanity. And if I see something that's in question, I'm like, getting rid of it because I was like I don't even want to acknowledge this like because I don't want to ever see it again yeah like I can get that from if this was me when I lost my mom yes seeing the stuff that I'm looking at now for like educational purposes and to like you know have guests on the podcast this would not be for me I was in like fuzzy cat dog videos that's where I was at that time that's like all I wanted to see was like silly things I was not into any of talking about death and grief and you know yeah and tiktok has opened my eyes a lot as well seeing other morticians on there i collaborate with other morticians on there a lot Mm -hmm. but it seems like all of us have one main goal in common and that is to normalize death because it's not normalized and i have even received a lot of backlash from older morticians who are angry that I have took to social media to talk about this kind of stuff because they still believe that our business and our industry should be like a secretive thing that people shouldn't know what we do behind closed doors. And I generally believe that if people knew what we do behind closed doors, it might reside some of the fear that people Mm -hmm. have about death. But if you're not willing to talk about it, you're not willing to, no one's going to be willing to try to understand and try to get over their fear of it. But I feel like in 2023, it it should be normalized at this point. It should be okay to talk about it. I tell people all the time, what we do is not like a secret FBI operation. Like we're allowed to talk about it. Like there's nothing that's crazy that, you know, we can't talk about it. But I mean, where we are in society now, everything else has been normalized. So why don't we just normalize this? Yes, like. that's my <laughs> biggest thing is that like <laughs> normalized at this point, like times have changed over the years. Things aren't the same anymore as they used to be. Mm-hmm. And I just that's I generally took to social media because of that. I feel like if people know about it, it they might not be as scared of it. If they yeah, I mean, it. you have two guarantees in life. If you're born and then you die, we know everything about birth, everything. So why can't we know everything about death and what's associated with it? Like we know everything that's going to happen from conception to birth and everything in between and all of that. Then, so why can't we know about this part too and know everything about it? And it's normal. (laughs) Yes. And, 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 And I'm glad to see a lot of morticians take to TikTok and other social media platforms. Because some of their channels aren't really about funeral home stuff. They're more humorous. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm glad for people to see, you know, that we're, we're not dark, scary people. You know, we have a fun side. We're like everyone else. It's just, you know, what we do for a living is a little sad, but we do have a life outside of that. I, j- and I know of a TikToker who kind of makes videos about things that she wouldn't do because she's a mm-hmm. mortician. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's different. Everybody sees things as different. I personally can't think of anything I wouldn't do just because I'm a mortician. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's a question people ask all the time. It's like, you know, would you ride a motorcycle, it, you know, because you're a mortician? I'm like, yeah, I own, <laughs> I've owned one. I, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. but, you know, I'm glad to see that people are learning that, you know, we're not dark, scary people. You know, we, we have things that we do outside of work. It's not all dark and scary and depressing all the time. Yeah, that's like one of my like things was like what's your, like biggest misconceptions. And yeah, it's that you're like dark, depressed, scary people who only come out at night. Like no, <laughs> like in the sh- in the cover of darkness. Like no. Yeah, I have so many no. families who walk in the door to make arrangements and I'm like, oh, can I help you? And they're like, we're here to meet with a funeral director at like 10. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And they just kind of look at me and they're like, that's you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what's wrong? And they're like, well, you're just like in a neon purple suit. So we're just kind of surprised <laughs> that I'm like, I wear brightly colored suits. I wear bright red. I've got green and purple and blue and, I'm like, I'm, I'm not a dark, scary person. Like, I like bright colors. So <laughs> people usually are baffled at the color outfits that I wear. <laughs> and I still think a lot of it, too, is a lot of people are still surprised that I'm a woman in this industry. Mm-hmm. That I'm a young woman. Because people still see funeral homes as, like, an old man profession. Like, they think everybody mm-hmm. in the funeral homes in their 60s or older. Unfortunately, and that's, yeah. like, that's not the case anymore. Like, I'm 24. So, <laughs> that's not the case anymore. But my fa- I've yeah. learned that my family's like my brightly colored suits. Because if their loved one's favorite color was purple, well, I have a suit to match. So, we're going to roll yeah. with it. So, I think it's always better to have lively, bright colors and for things to be happy rather than be dark and depressing because it's already sad enough to have to bury someone you love Mm -hmm. but if the funeral director can make it not so dark and scary then it'll help a lot too yeah Um, so that's the reason i changed from all black to bright and colorful (laughs) yeah if you were my mom's funeral director i would tell you to wear your purple suit because that was her favorite color was purple (laughs) like you have to wear purple (laughs) yeah Yeah, like this you know you're just regular people you know even yeah I mean, we, we wear things to make families happy all the time. I had an individual who her favorite colors were purple and pink and she loved cats. So I had a purple suit with my pink shirt and my pink heels and my kitty cat earrings. And that's what I rocked to work that day. Perfect. And they loved it. <laughs> and I loved it too. And I was like, this is so nice and flashy. Now, when I walked in the store, obviously people kind of stared at me funny. Yeah. Like, hey, you don't know what I was doing. So it's okay. No. Like... <laughs> But I like the bright, colorful flashiness of things. Yeah. Um, That's um, like what I was talking to someone about, you know, when I finally decided to like, okay, I'm going to call myself a death doula. Like I was fighting that term for so long and just talking to different people and talking about like when they're like, what do you want to do and describing what I want to do. 
they're like, oh, yeah, that's a death doula. That's, and I'm like, eh, that's really what it was? Okay. You know, <laughs> just because if you don't like, like you're obsessed with death and you're dark and that's not the case. I want to take, have my own take on what I want to do and people I want to work with and how I want to do it. I naturally bring humor into things sometimes just because, and I think that that's okay. You know, I was laughing on and off the day that my mom was passing away because I had to make some light of something somewhere and she would have wanted that and she wouldn't have wanted everything so serious because that's another thing. Like people are like, I feel weird to laugh right after someone passes away. And it's like, at my mom's reception after her funeral, I was laughing and carrying on. Like, that's what she would have wanted. She wouldn't have wanted it to be so drab. You know? Yeah. Like, that's how she was. So she wouldn't want me to, like, be all mopey and depressed, you know? I was after when I was alone, but how I presented myself in front of people was that I had a better handle on the situation than I actually did. So I had to like have some humor involved and something, my own coping mechanism. (laughs) Well, and I, and I've seen a big shift in the way funerals or have been conducted since I've been in this business. When I started, I remember it and I was 18 when I started. So it was, people were, you know, they, they wanted to cry. They wanted it to be sad. They, you know, a funeral is supposed to be sad. Well, here we are in 2023 and that's not really the case anymore. Things have changed mm-hmm. a lot over the past couple of years. People want to do a big event. People want to have it where, you know, you're laughing, you're carrying on. It's not sad. You know, that's not what, what, for instance, that's not what mom would have wanted. She'd have wanted people mm-hmm. to laugh and have a good time. And I've noticed that's what has become the new normal. It's for people to do things that represent that loved one's life, but to do it in a way that's more positive than sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've even seen family members get at a loved one's grave who loved moonshine and take shots of moonshine at someone's grave because yeah. that's what they would have wanted. And they, they've done it. And I'm like, you know, hey, whatever helps you and whatever you think they would have liked, go with it. But things have definitely changed and things are continuing to change. Mm -hmm. in the industry every year you know burial isn't as big as it used to be a -hmm. lot of people have went to cremation it's it's just the way the funeral business changes and it's changed a lot in only six years Mm -hmm. yeah i have just just from personal experience attending funerals when i was like very young to now it's completely different the dynamic Mm -hmm. is different um yeah everything i buried my mom with a bottle of kalua and a cupcake yeah i got I got some looks for that, but it was a Hey, I've buried <laughs> I have buried loved ones. I've buried loved ones with cigarettes, a six pack of beer. I yeah. mean, you name it. Their pet their love their pet's ashes. I mean, it's you name it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's somebody else has done it at some point. That's why I say there's no such thing as a crazy question or a crazy yeah. request in our business. Because odds are I've done heard it once before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'll tell you if we can do it or not. So Yeah. <laughs> It's like, don't be scared to ask us a question just because you think, oh, that might be a little crazy. It's like, I promise you, someone has topped you on your question. So, yeah. It's okay. like, <laughs> someone exactly. has topped you. So. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I know I had some, like, off-the-wall things that I was asking the director that I was working with. And 
Yeah. <laughs> and he just was like, like it was just normal. So I was like very comforted by that. Because then I was like, what other things have you been asked that my stuff is so normal to you right now? You're just making yeah. like, it so easy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this has been such a fun conversation. <laughs> this has been such a fun conversation. I like thank you so much for doing this and taking the time. Oh. I yeah I have to admit I've actually enjoyed this as well but you know my thing is is like that I have the type of personality where I take a bad situation and I try to make it lighter or a more interesting or you know more vibrant because you know I have a really off the wall personality I'll talk to anyone it doesn't matter mm-hmm. I'll make a friend anywhere and you know on the weekends me and my friends will go out and do something we'll go out and have a good time and they're like how do you go from working in a funeral home to being so upbeat and like, let's go do this. Let's go have fun. Let's go do this and this and this. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess it's just, just the personality I have. Everybody's different, but a lot of people I have noticed in the funeral industry are like that. Mm -hmm. Like once the door closes at night and it's all said and done, it's like, what are we going to, what are we going to do to have fun tonight? Like, let's go do something. And it's like, really, (laughs) you want to go do that? It's like, of course I do. So, yeah, and but, I think that's another big way of how we cope with our job Yeah, is we find joy in something else. Mm-hmm. I think that you have to, I think it takes a special person to do what you do. I think you have to like have the personality that you have to do this profession and still have a life and still define joy and excitement and still see the good things when normally you are surrounded by the bad things and things that aren't great you know, when you're at your profession and that, you know, you have those bad times, you have to be able to just be like, we're going to go out and drink later and that's fine and it's okay. And (laughs) we're going to laugh and be silly and whatever. I think you have to have that just to Yeah. That's one thing I can say about this industry. And I think this actually answers one of your questions you had earlier that for us, being in this industry, you have to find the joy in something else. And you you end up finding joy with other people. Really and truly. That's the only thing that I, I look forward to that on the weekends. When I'm not on call or when I'm not having mm-hmm. to work. It's, oh, what are we going to do tonight? Let's go have a good time. Like, it's it's okay to be happy. But that outside of work... And everything aside, being in this industry, it has taught me one thing. And that is to live every day like it's your last. Tomorrow Mm -hmm. is not promised. And I don't want to look back on my life and think that, well, I should have done things different. Or I should have went out more. I should have been happier. Because you only get one shot at life. Mm -hmm. And enjoy it while you have it. Because it could be taken away at any moment. And that's what a lot of people don't see. But of course, we see it in our industry we see somebody's life taken instantly and mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? That just makes me want to live every day. Like it's my last. It makes me want to have the most fun that I possibly can in life. Yes. Preach sister. That's true. <laughs> that's like, yeah. Like losing my parents. That's what I kind of realized. It was stop. Like just do it, you know, just yeah, do it. Unfortunately, losing them was the catalyst that brought me here. I can't say that if I didn't lose them, this is where I would have ended up because this, you know, like when some when 
you're probably have heard it, but when someone passes away and they always say there's a purpose, there's a plan there, you know, it was supposed for whatever reason. Right. And I said this in my last interview that I had with someone, I was not so happy to hear that when people would tell me that I would not have the Mm -hmm. best response because I couldn't imagine any good that was supposed to come from losing my mom or good from losing my dad and whatnot. I, whatever plan it was, I didn't want to hear, but it took years to realize, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This was the purpose. This was the plan. It was to take all that time, effort, tears, anger, horrible things that I was going through, take all of that and do something with it to help other people, to make, like I said, not easier, but smoother, to make it normal for what they're going through, to see, okay, here I am, a person that went through it, and I'm okay, and you'll be here too someday. It took years to get here. There's still hard times that I deal with. But I'm okay. My yeah. life is still going to I'm actually, I'm actually in the process of working on having a, a grief journal publicized. Oh, nice. And I'm hoping that it goes the way I want it to. But I tell families all the time, I'm like, don't let someone tell you that time's going to heal it. Because mm-hmm. it's not. You're going to learn to live with it. And Mm -hmm. while you don't think that you're going to find joy again, you will in something. Mm -hmm. Grief is a process that never truly ends, but you will find things that make you happy in life to help you cope with it. And that's the biggest thing I tell people. It makes me so angry when I hear somebody say, well, time will heal all. And I'm like, but it doesn't. You just learn to live with it. There's time is not going to do anything. You're just going to have to learn to live with it and you will Mm -hmm. find joy in life later on. It might not be right now or in a year, but eventually you will find something. Yeah. And you just have to give it time. Yeah. It's, I always say that it's, it's always going to be a part of my life. It's always going to be there. I'm never not going to miss my mom or my dad and not think like, oh, well, if they were here, you know, different experiences that come along. I'm never not going to think of that. So you just, like you said, you just learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. You deal with it however you deal with it. You know, I talk to my mom and my dad like they're still here because I believe in spirit and energy and stuff like that. So to me, if I'm talking to them, they're here and they're listening and that's okay. That works for me. That's how I process it. And, you know, those are my beliefs, you know, not everyone believes in spirits and stuff like that. And that's okay. But for me, that's just something that I have experience with. So Mm -hmm. they'll always be there, just not obviously in the way I want them to be, but We learn to focus and well, that's what I tell people. Everyone grieves differently. Everyone has a different process they're going to go through and everyone will feel different as they go through that process. Mm -hmm. You know, if talking to them makes you, makes you feel better then that's what you do. You know, if you want to take a baseball bat to a tree, that's what I did. It made me feel better. You know, you do what you have to do in order to go through the process Mm -hmm. and, 
everybody might not know how to comfort you and yours because theirs might have been different. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. It's all still the same process. It's just a different way of doing it. So there is no right or wrong way to grieve. It's the way that you see fit that best benefits you. And that's what's most important. Yeah. Like perfectly said. That's true. It's perfectly said, actually. And I think that's just like a misconception. People think that, you know, everyone grieves the same way and they don't. Yeah. I mean, you looked at my mom and my dad going through different deaths and stuff and how they processed it. It was completely different how they were dealing with how they dealt with things in life, you know, that I witnessed. So, yeah, everyone does it differently. And yeah, as long as you know when you need to seek help or when you need to, like, yes, involve somebody. (laughs) Yes. And then let's see. I'm trying to the other biggest misconception that people have about us is that I think a lot of people think funeral directors are crooks. I say that because of the price of funerals. They think that's what a lot of us are. And that's not true. You know, there's been plenty of times if I have to donate a casket for someone to afford a funeral, that's fine. I'll do it. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not out to, to try to hurt your hurt you financially. Or, you know, I know funerals are high priced. Everything is mm-hmm. high priced right now. Yeah. And it doesn't come in just with the price of the casket. It comes in, you know, with the price of the embalming, the use of the facilities. It's like, you know, we have to pay, people's salaries out of this the insurance for the building car insurance and a lot of it but a lot of it adds up quickly but Mm -hmm. i've had people over the years tell me oh you're a crook charging this and it's like it's not me like it's either who i work for or it's just the inflation rate in general is that high but a lot of people think that just because it is expensive to bury someone yeah and there's a lot of fees and we continue to go up you know there's there's a lot lot of things involved. involved Yeah. I mean, you know, paying someone to open that grave, that's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not all our expenses. It's everybody's expenses combined that go into the price of that funeral. So that's the casket company's prices, the vault company's price, the grave diggers. Like it's everybody's combined price. There's one big total. (laughs) So much stuff involved. Like I just remember looking at the bill. And just being like, you know, I mean, there was no question, like, I didn't have a question over anything, but it was just like, realizing all the fees that go in and like, the fees for like, all the processes that have to be done and just everything you're paying for. I think that's some stuff is what people don't, what you don't think of. Like, yeah, that you're, you know, you don't think you're like paying for that, whether it be a way of you not thinking of like, the cremation process and the burial process and all that. But there's a lot involved in there. You know, my mom had a casket burial. My dad was cremated. So I saw the fees for the two different ones. Yes, cremation is usually cheaper cost, but still there's a lot of fees involved in that that you wouldn't think are involved, you know, unless you actually go and you're personally preparing this, like, you're involved in this. So, I mean, that was my thing. I didn't realize some stuff that went into it. I just didn't think about it, you know? 
Yeah, I tell my families all the time, like, if you want to sit down and break this bill down into itty bitty pieces, I will do it with you. I will show mm -hmm. you everything. It's just we get to be the bad guy and tell you, hey, this is the total price of everything combined. Mm -hmm. And then it, it does make us look bad because we, we have to be the ones to tell you. But then again, it has to be us. Like, they're not, the other places aren't going to call you and tell you, hey, it's 500 for this or 1000 for this. Or, like, that's not going to work. So... But I'm more than happy to sit down and break down prices with people. But it's like I said, like I have donated caskets over the years. I've given discounts on funerals. I will donate things if I have to, to financially make it able for a family to afford it. Mm -hmm. And I'm completely willing to do that. That's not an issue because not everybody has life insurance. Not everybody has the means to pay for a funeral. And that's fine. Like we're willing to help. Like we're not mm -hmm. out to try to screw no one over or anything like that. We're yeah. genuinely there to help. No, it's, that's true because, like, when someone asks for donations for funerals and stuff, I mean, unless you've experienced it, you have to understand, like, yeah, how much this costs in itself. Like, I mean, for my mom alone, I mean, it was a little over $12,000, you know, just for hers. And I didn't, like, I mean, I went in. I remember there was like a casket. I was like, oh, my God, that casket is so pretty because it was like amethyst and she loved purple. I was like, she needs mm -hmm. to have the amethyst casket. And my uncle was like, look at the price. What would your mother say? And I would like, I was like, <laughs> she'd say get the reasonable one over there. So he's like, exactly. Get the reasonable priced one. He's like, we're not getting that yeah. one. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just specifically remember that. He's like, what would your mother say right now? I was like, she would tell me not in no way to get this one because of how much it was. But still, some <laughs> people, you know, they are going to want the amethyst one. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they're going to pay that price. And that's fine. You know, you go with what you can, what you can do. You know, there's options. I was fascinated yeah. by all the options, but there's options. And everybody wants something different. So, like, I know your older generation's like, you know, don't pay that much for that. There's no need in that. And you, you know, me with my personality and my brightly colored outfits, I want to go out. I want to go out in the biggest thing possible. You put me in yeah. that neon purple casket. I am okay with that. Like, <laughs> you do it. You, you do it. You, you send me out like that. I'm okay with it. That's what I want. And I want my purple exactly. suit as well. So, like, <laughs> go for it. Like, <laughs> I am perfectly fine with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, with our family friend that passed away, she liked purple as well, and she liked cats. So I chuckled when I picked out her urn because I got, like, a purple marble urn with a little cat on it, and the cat looks like it's waving by. Mm -hmm. And I was like, perfect. I'm like, Brenda would love this. I was like, she would, A, <laughs> find humor in the cat waving by, but she'd also just think it was pretty, you know? I was like, why not get her this purple one? I mean, she was loud and everything. So I was like, yeah, this purple marble one is kind of loud. Well, <laughs> and like you said, that, that goes back to finding the humor in things when there seems like there's nothing else, you know, like funeral directors and us, we, we typically have a very, joking personality which you think would go really bad with what we do mm -hmm. but like we don't like we have a very joking around personality because for instance one of my co-workers he just retired 
he got to where he retired, we was going to throw a party for him. And I was like, instead of everybody going around the room, talking about how much we're going to miss you, we're going to do a roast. We're just going to roast you. And that's what we're going to do. And they were like, that's the best idea ever. Let's make it fun. Like, yes. you know, it's like, we're going to make, we're going to make things fun. Like, you know, a going away party. That's sad. Like, we don't want to be sad. Mm-hmm. Let's have, let's make it, let's make it fun. Let's talk about all the times you were late or how the pet peeve is you couldn't put nothing in your trash can because you didn't like it. Like, let's just, <laughs> you know, make it fun. Like not everything's got to be so sad. There is a time for things to be sad. And then there's a time to make light of a situation. So you just got to know when's the right time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know when to read the room, I guess. <laughs> but yes. yeah, I can read that. the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I totally get that. Oh my gosh. So I have to say, this is my longest interview guest appearance. Oh, well. Because <laughs> this is just so fun. This is just like so fun. Such a natural conversation. I love this. Um, I mean, I just love to talk to people and I'm always fascinated to learn things. So yeah, this was fun. So. <laughs> well, now, I'm glad you- that I can give some insight yeah. to you all and to help understand things a little bit more, but also to show everybody that, you know, all funeral directors, we're not, we're not creepy, dark people. Like we're fun. No. We, we're out there, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're there to help. That's my main thing. We're here to help. We're here to be an advocate for people and to be an advocate for different things, such as mental health. So mm-hmm. I am very thankful that you give me the opportunity to come on here to do a podcast. This is oh, my very first that. interview with a podcast, so I am very <laughs> excited. <laughs> so as I said, I probably rambled on for a while, but no, I am I so happy it. to see people it. take an interest in this um, because I do think it's something that needs to be talked about more. Yes, agreed. That's why, you know, I'm doing my part and... I just want to have so many different types of people on that are in this industry, you know, from a whole, like all different standpoints, different, like for a family going through this, like just all the different people you're going to see at some point, you know, that's like what I really want to do. So just thank you so much for coming on and you're always welcome to come back on because I could probably talk to you forever. (laughs) You're so nice and I enjoy your personality. Well, if you have any, if you ever have any off the wall questions or if you ever want to get really in deep with this, I'm more than willing to participate and help you out any way I can to help you spread your platform. So all you gotta do is just give me a call. So yeah. <laughs> perfect. Cause yeah, I, I, you know, I'm like with all the different things and stuff I've talked about, it's like, I want to like just ease people <laughs> in before I'm like, yes. right, we're going to talk about we're gonna get really into this yeah that's something that I I do plan on doing because I have a lot of questions with that but (laughs) there will be a warning before I ever have any of those conversations or yes I'll have a a little message before I do those episodes just so if it's not your thing (laughs) you don't have to listen to it because I get that so some people don't want to know all the all the things but Thank you again. And if you just want to remind everyone how they can find you. Yes. So I am on TikTok under Mortary Magic. You guys give me a follow. Give me a shout out. If you got any questions, I'm more than willing to answer them. Just send me a message. Perfect. All right. So thank you again for coming on, Miss Alicia. And Thank you to everyone listening and supporting me. 
please go to TikTok, Instagram, my Facebook community. All the links are below. Give me a follow. Come along this journey. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me on every single platform. And I will talk to you guys again very soon. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed your time and desire more content, it would mean a lot if you could leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe. You are welcome to join me on Instagram at Nicole Polarczyk. You can also join my free Facebook group called Let Me Walk With You Community. I can't wait to share more with you next week. And remember, you are not alone. I am here to walk with you.